0: Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us this morning from cold hearts and wandering thoughts, that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. We had the shelter this week. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we wait patiently for the Lord, God hears. God draws us out. God makes our steps secure. We come with confidence and trust to worship God. Come, let us worship the Lord. Our lives are filled with words, O oh God. Words and words and words. On television, in books, on the internet, words we hear and words we speak. Our culture of words lulls us into complacency. We say we believe in helping others. We even identify who those others might be the homeless, the helpless. The hopeless, those who lack food, shelter, companionship, those who have been beaten down by life or left behind in our affluent society. Even so, we too often fail to follow our words with actions. Forgive us, we pray. Help us to connect what we say and what we do, that we may become ever growing disciples of him who is your mercy, our Savior, our deliverance. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we were walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus the Son cleanses us from all sin. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so let us live. we come to the word of God, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. In the light of your Holy Spirit's presence, open our hearts and lives to the transforming power of your holy word, so that we may be your faithful and obedient servants. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first lesson comes to us from the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. The Lord's servant, Israel, is called to speak. Hear now the word of God. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, Who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson comes to us according to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. John declares Jesus to be the Lamb of God. Hear now the word of God. The next day, he, being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon. Son of John, you are to be called Kephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We live in an age of making nouns into verbs. I can remember as a young boy in high school... Uh, learning the word network for the first time and hearing it as a noun. A network had the whole idea of the connectedness of any kind of group of people or systems. But now we talk about networking as a gerund, as a verb. Okay, what does it mean to if we gonna if we're going to network with someone, what does it mean? Hmm? We're gonna work with them. What did you say, Larry? That's where I'm going. Very good. Okay. Typically, um, con- when, you, when you're networking with someone in, in our day and age, and, and if you look at uh, younger generation, college and age and, and younger, and when you network with, pe- work with people, you are doing it by internet, by electronic means. But we also network every time we go to a Christmas party or... Uh, a birthday party on the job or when we go to a meeting of some kind or a committee uh, or a commission of some kind. We network even within our own congregation. When someone calls someone and says, can you help me with this? And then they call someone else and say, can you help with that? We network. That's a verb now. It's very interesting that the text before us today in John is all about the network that begins in the ministry of Jesus Christ as a consequence of John's ministry. Now, I've probably said too many things about John the Baptist, and if, if anyone takes them as derogatory, they're not. But what is important to this text today, I think, about John is to realize that he says something here that's very, very intriguing. Do you remember the nativity story where um, uh, Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and when, Mary, when Elizabeth sees Mary, the baby moves, and she says the baby's leaping for joy? Do you remember that text in the, in the gospel? Okay, what does that tell you? It says, number one, the text tells us that Elizabeth and Mary are what? They're cousins. Okay? They're relatives. Okay, And so what does does that make Jesus and John the Baptist? At least second cousins, if not third cousins, right? I mean, they're relatives. So why does John say, I myself did not know him? I mean, do you have any cousins that you don't know? I must be, have to be honest with you, I do. I have some younger cousins, but I, I couldn't even tell you what their names are, much less what they look like. But in the context of Jesus and John, it's a little strange that John would say, here we've grown up together in the same places, uh, with the same families, and I really don't know this guy. I don't know this Jesus of Nazareth. Huh? That's right, right. Jesus is basically unknown at this point. And that's one of the things that we tend to forget as we read the record, is that we assume that Jesus has already been around doing things, you know. I mean, we have all the apocryphal stories about Jesus making clay into a birds and it flying away. And, and we think that somehow or other everybody knew that Jesus was coming on uh, as, this, as this teacher and healer and etc., in the Holy Land, but it's not true. John says, I don't even know this character, but I know this, he said. The person who set me aside to baptize with water has told me, or told me, that upon whom the Spirit descends, that person will baptize with the Spirit. So what John is saying is, I baptized this guy in the Jordan and I saw with my very own eyes and heard with my very own ears that this man is the anointed. That's my testimony. Now, as a consequence of that information, people begin to disconnect with John and to connect with Jesus. Jesus. There's a major shift going on here between people who are on the cutting edge, probably on the almost revolutionary edge of Hebrew culture at the time, where John is providing this ministry of repentance and forgiveness and restitution and at the at the very peak of that ministry, Jesus appears and John's disciples begin to convert if you will, to Jesus' ministry. And there's a new connection. There's a new relationship that's, that's born. Andrew becomes the first of John's disciples who then goes and gets his brother Simon Peter. And so the process of building the circle of 12 begins. Okay. What is the benefit of networking. Why do we do it? Why does a business person do that or why does anyone do that? What are the benefits of networking? Okay? Multiplication of resources. Very good. What else? Why do we network with each other? Sources of information. Right. What else? Support. Very good. More people, to sing with. more people to sing with. Yes. In some senses, more, more people to have to fellowship with, right? Yeah, John. Yeah, friendship. The whole idea of, of the relationship, the relational network, right? Yeah, sure. If you network with people, there's something about them that you know, and they know about you, right? And it allows you to do things together. Okay? So the question becomes why did Jesus choose to have this circle of men? Why did he network? Why did Jesus somehow feel a need to network with these characters that were hanging out with John the Baptist? Have you ever been on Facebook and you get this this little window that comes up and says uh, someone wants to be your friend? Yeah? Yeah? And you look at them, I don't know about you, but there are times when I look at it and I go, I have no idea who that person is. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. And and then and then what I find out is, you know, it's their married name. And when I find out what their maiden name was, I go, Oh yeah, I had her, yeah, okay. Uh, or I get this guy who is, happens to be the friend of somebody else who I really know well, and for some reason he wants to be my friend. And, and, and Facebook is one of the best networking tools that we have. Okay, If you want to uh, be honest, that's, that's the very nature of communication in our culture today, especially when you're talking about people under 30. So why would Jesus network? What would be the value of doing that? Why would he somehow or other choose to begin that process using John's disciples? Huh? To get the word out, to help him to communicate the word. And it begins to happen right away, because what happens? Andrew decides to follow, and then what does Andrew do? He goes and gets his brother, okay? And so we have Peter. All right? Networking also becomes a way of multiplying. When you network, you multiply your connectedness, you multiply your resources, you multiply all of the companionship, okay, that goes with that. And here we have Jesus choosing to be with some of these men as he begins his ministry. Now, the truth of the matter is that that choosing has never stopped. It has never stopped. When we talk about the 12 disciples, what do we usually call them? The 12 Apostles. And what do we give to those apostles many times? We give to them authority, right? The writing of an apostle or the word of an apostle is almost as authoritative as the word of Jesus. No? The apostolicity, now that's a good $25 word for you, the apostolicity of the church, okay, is part of who we are. In the sense that every one of us has been called to the apostolic ministry. Does anyone know what the word apostle means in Greek? Besides Nancy, apostle is a Greek fancy word for what word? Do we, what word would we use in English for apostle if we if we didn't know that word? No, just the opposite. Missionary. An apostle is one who is sent. Okay? And in that sense, every one of us shares in the ministry of apostolicity. From the moment we become Christians, from the moment we are baptized and make commi- commi- our commitment to Jesus Christ, we are called to be, and, and we are sent into the world. We are sent to network to talk about, to share our relationship with the Lord with others. That's the nature of what's going on in this circle of apostles. Okay? I have to be honest with you and tell you that one of the things that frightened me the most when I was a young man. I was always a good boy. I never got in trouble with the law. I was always very respectful. I was, you know, I never gave my mom problems, okay? And I remember in junior high school, I decided I was going to be part of the in-group. And so I started making fun of this one teacher who was new. And it was kind of like the way you got into the inner circle of people in my class. And I really, you know, I really liked the lady, but if I didn't make fun of her, I wasn't going to be popular. So I went ahead and I made, made her look foolish one day in Spanish class. And after Spanish class, at at recess time, one of the one of the girls who was in the in circle came up to me, and she goes, "I always thought you were so religious. I'm glad to see you're normal, like what the rest of us." And you know, it blew me away. I felt ashamed. I really did. I felt ashamed. It was, it was a moment for me of recognizing that whether I liked it or not, whether I was aware of it or not, people saw who I was. And the way I behaved and what I said and what I did, people actually took note about that. And it was the first time that it, it hit me face, right in the face and said, look, people are going to watch you. They're watching. They want to see whether this is real or not. And when you mess up, as you inevitably will, they're going to take notice of that too. It really helped me to understand how we are sent into the world. We are sent to be normal human beings, forgiven by Christ, redeemed by Christ, given to Christ, but our lives are the message. And so the simple question is today, how connected are you to Jesus? When someone looks at you or your life, can they see Jesus? The last line of this passage is Jesus addressing Simon. Simon. And he says, you will be called Kephas, which in Aramaic means rock. In Hebrew or in Greek, that becomes Petra or Peter. What does he mean? He means that Peter, okay, is going to be someone who other people will be able to build on. His confession, his relationship, his connectedness to Jesus will be one in which others will be able to build on. And that is our inheritance as well. We are all rocks. Our confessions of Jesus Christ are the rocks upon which Jesus will build his church. How well are we connected? How well does the mortar hold us? The mortar of faithfulness, of love, Service of devotion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as you build your circle, you demonstrate how you build your church. Help each of us to be the stones and the rocks that you can use to build a sturdy, strong, vital. Effective church. Let each of our lives, O oh Lord, be testimony to who you are and what you want in our world. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who loves us and gave himself for us. We come to you with joyful hearts, O oh God, hearts filled with wonder and praise for the magnificence of the cosmos that you have created. For the constantly changing complexity of the life you have given us. But most of all, for your incarnation, your dwelling among us. The knowledge that you have provided us with a Savior is almost too big to keep to ourselves. As it was for John the Baptist and later for the Apostle Paul and countless others. Whose lives have been altered by knowing him who is the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. Help us in speaking and acting to tell the good news of forgiveness and love of him who is your son, under whose mercy we stand, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.